Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. David King, welcome back to the Means Test. You've been everywhere, G. It's great to see you. Great to be back and talking a bit of footy and it's nearly upon us. We've been watching trainings and meaningless sessions here and there and we've We've heard everyone from coaches to players to new captains and all the fans. We're all excited. We're all, we're all excited for it to get started on Thursday night with the a cracking opening again. We just were at the back, weren't we? We were half. It was like a therapy session with Sam Edmund at the back. He's, well, we'll get this job done this week. Uh, won't we? Won't we? Help me. Won't we? we will, surely. Uh, so I'm, I'm wrapped. I'm excited that uh, it's upon us, Jared, and I'm, and I'm sure you are too. We've got all of our categories, the big issue, the pressure index, the preliminary final integrity, the debates. You've added uh, Australia here or there. So that's, you're entitled to do that, I suppose. <laughs> and I hope you've prepared some seedings for us. But every means test starts with the King's Gambit. Here comes King's Gambit. He's exploding down the outside in this trial. He heads them off. And look at him gap this field late King's Gambit. Great trial. I think he's going to win the Golden Slipper. Going to win. I know someone who's on it anyway. So have you got any money on it yet? I don't. Where's the lack, the lack of support? I know. <laughs> we talked about this horse ages ago. I think his trial's been better than any of the warm-up races. Really? Well, you know more about it than me. That's, that's exciting. Yeah. I'm on a little $10. All right. That makes sense. We'll be midway through north and west coast when King's Gambit. No, I'm doing those games. Yeah, so am I. That's a distraction. <laughs> I'll I don't you. need. I'll text you. <laughs> the King's Gambit is surely the expectation that has built around this. So nobody's done more of the preparatory work than you going out to the summer trainings and seeing how it's all come to be. It feels like there's an impatience for it. I think there's an impatience for it in Clubland. I think there's a really clear view that we could have started a couple of weeks ago. I suspect in future we will. It feels like the coordinated weekend of practice matches is just a bit of a waste now. And when you put the jumpers on, you should be putting them on for real. So do you think that we will have no practice match? I think we'll have the match simulation. What's what's the last one? The first one. The first one. Where you can play six quarters or eight quarters or however you want to set it up. I think we'll have that. And then I think rather than a coordinated round of preseason matches, we'll just hit it. I think that's where we'll head. Yeah, I've always been a believer that that I think the greater the mystery, the greater the start. Just just let teams uh, play amongst themselves. They're not allowed to cross over until round one, and and it's all systems go, and everyone's flying blind. But what what we we do say, so I think there's been. A lot of interest from the fans this preseason. So getting out to training, I have never seen so many people, at, at, uh, you know, absolute rusted on fans, no doubt. But even passers-by find themselves just wandering over and, you know, or, or putting their walk to 9.30 Monday morning instead of 7 o'clock in the morning. Just yep. to have a look at how the Ds are going. Just to have a look at how, what's Craig McRae doing this year, you know, and how healthy are the boys and all those sorts of things. So... Uh, I think you learn a lot going to going to preseason training. I think you give the coaches and, and the clubs the full respect that they deserve. 
Um, if you're going to talk about their jobs and their livelihoods, make sure you've done the research. And, you know, sometimes we say things during the 2022 season that you've got to front up and, and have a chat about, Jared, whether it be positive or negative. And, and I think the players appreciate the fact that you're, you're there to, to actually give them um, a closer a closer look at who's flying and who's not. And it is amazing. I, I saw most sessions with Josh Gablitz from AFL.com and, and the clubs are so open at the moment. I think they've embraced um, the media for the first time in, that I can recall to, to let you in and give you different access and obviously spent a week at the Gold Coast Suns. Uh, which was terrific. Was you know, it was just a, a bit of an eye opener. I mean, a lot of things are what you expect. Um, you know, game days, what you expect, and the things they look at are the are similar things to what we look at. Um, numbers driven, but not uh, not necessarily spoken to the players. You know, talk a different language to the players, and, but they all they all use the same term. They use different terminology for the same purpose. Um, so what's one, one called one thing at at Hawthorne will be the same thing at the at the Gold Coast, but under a different name. Um, but, but in the end, I think every, every club's trying to work out how they achieve the same, the same goals, whether it be with the ball, without the ball, that clearance, you know, in the structural sense with their talent group. So I think that's often forgotten is that there's no one way to play. There's no right way and a wrong way. It's what you've got on hand, your 44 guys that you've got in front of you. How can you get them? to somehow match your philosophy. And and that's I think that's been a real challenge and part of the art of coaching, and that's why the best are so good. And so what we get in the opening round when all of that ties together, um, because of the atmosphere around it, the conclusions are going to be drawn, like the ramifications out of round one, I think are going to be huge, real or imagined. Um, and sometimes you can imagine these things into being real. It's one of 23. So I'm I'm so interested what the additional round does to the dynamic of the season, to the the, um, uh, the sort of the longevity that it's been able to sustain throughout. I think one game is significant. And if one becomes two in future, uh, how are you set for round one? And what's going to play out before us? Yeah, it's a cracking fixture. They've done an amazing job to get the the year off to a flyer. Um, it is. It it is. Look, it's it's incredibly difficult to argue that round twenty three is important as round one or round two because after eight rounds, we know that the top eight pretty much is settled. Um, after after eight weeks. That if you're outside of the eight, there's probably only one maximum two changes, and it's not going to come. You know, one through five is generally pretty set, and you know, everyone will come back at me and say, "Well, Carlton were eight and three. I, I get that. There's one. There's they come from a long way back, and there was a first year under Michael Voss. There was still a few things going on. They were bludgeoning teams last year. So, I think I think pressure builds so quickly these days. E- externally, you know, we, we build the pressure. I mean, you wouldn't want to be Port Adelaide starting zero two. You just wouldn't want to be. And then what what that does in terms of the group losing faith in the direction and the absolute buy-in, it drops from – once it drops from 100% to something else, you are gone. So I, I'm a massive believer in getting off to a great start. Now, I don't think the very best teams um, are too fixated with being 10-0, 8-0. They're, they're pretty much trying to run 50-50 or marginally better. And then the back half of the year separates the absolute contenders from those that have made gains, but not necessarily are absolutely right there 
to win it. So you see, you know, historically we see that the premiership winner go on a run of, you know, 12 wins in a row or 10 plus. I think, I think Geelong were like 16, 16 or yeah. yeah. So they go on a run that, okay, everything's in order. We've got our personnel in tune and they maybe don't start the year as absolutely, you know, ripping 100% fit for the group. They don't run the risk of losing players from the group to be 100% fit. They'd rather have a higher level of availability and build as the, as the year progresses. You know, I think um, Richmond have done that for years. They've, they've just maybe not been absolutely 100% ripping them apart on, on a knife's edge, you know, session after session and had them probably 90% fit but had 95% availability, you know, barring a few accidents and a few surgeries uh, through the off-season. So everyone's trying to do the same thing but do it in a different way and our job is to try and work out what's working and what's not in, in real time, which, which, can be, which can be difficult and, and it, in the end involves a bit of guesswork and a bit of your own philosophy. So whether we get it right or wrong, Jared, who knows? But round one is very important because if you lose, round two becomes a must. Yeah, it's oh, – I can't wait to get into it. I can't wait for Thursday night. All right, so let's do – why don't we do best bits because you're intrigued by point of difference across some of these teams. Yeah, it's something we talked about a couple of years ago, really. If, you've, if there's nothing different about the way you're playing, if you're playing – the same brand or someone else's brand. This is an old discussion. You'll never catch up to someone playing their game. So everyone's talking about, you know, GWS are going to play the way Richmond play. Well, if they do that, they'll never beat Richmond because it'll take them four years to get the whole thing rusted on and the game will change by then. Things will evolve and, and there'll be a new mode or a new method or a new a little bit of tinkering from the other coaches that'll, that'll strip that method down. Um, so... I think there's a freshness in approach for a few teams and, and there's there's asset pools that are, that are different and that, that's the fascination for me. And I think the one that jumps off the page and everyone's talking about, it, you know, is Bevo's big boys. Can, can four talls work? Now, I, I think this is coming in at the perfect time for the tactical sub. So they can go big. And if it's not working, start of the third quarter or halfway through the third, say, right, okay, this is not working. Uh, which of the four or five is, is not performing today? Sub him out. Let's get the runner on. So this is this is absolutely, you know, I think, uh, great timing for the Western Bulldogs and Luke Beveridge because there's no risk to it. You go with your strength, and if it works, you know what? You separate the game because the other team are unlikely to have great matchups for all those tools. But everyone says, oh, but, you know, if you don't mark it, it hits the deck and it's gone, which which is true. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a there's evidence to say that's the case, but if it does work, they will win games in the first 45 minutes. If it's not working, they've got their work to do in the second half um, to, to get their run up and going. But uh, no, no one will work as hard in football as the other two smalls in that dog's forward 50. They will just be chasing and chasing and chasing because the bigs will drop yes. off. But uh, I think the timing for Luke Beveridge is absolutely perfect given the uh, the tactical sub. Yep, yep. The point of difference that the Bulldogs are going to bring to the season and early best bit. That we've got uh, thoughts pouring through around PFI, so preliminary final integrity. The grand final smash and expose the Swans' lack of big body mids with Josh Kennedy no longer on their list. Who are their bigger bodied midfielders that can match it with Geelong or Melbourne's bigger bodies? Uh, I'm not saying that Melbourne will go through the season undefeated, 
but they won't be beaten. That's from you. Good material to get us started. I like that. Who was that one? Um, where did that come from? Uh, Hugh. Yeah, well done, That's Hugh. good, Hugh. Uh, and Tanasi, depends on the skew of the draw. Round one may not matter at all. Not sure what league you follow. Is This is the beauty of the draw. They're weight divisions. They're, they are rounded up into weight divisions. Every... Outside of the Suns and the Swans, who I suspect aren't in the same weight division, is those four points become separators against the like for like. Well, the Suns have got a pretty good record against the Swans. They do. Yeah. So that's that's I just an... think in the quadrant of the ladder, oh, they're yeah. not in the they're not in the weight division together necessarily. Yeah. But well, that's not to say that I'm not saying they can't win. So if you had to choose a team that you wanted to play this week, so let me flip the conversation the other way. It's because it's not it's not who you play, it's when you play them. Yes. Right. So look at look at the, the the trough that St Kilda are in with just player availability right now. If you could choose one team to play this week, you're probably choosing St Kilda, and that's that's not um, that's no slight on them as a club or anything like that or where they're at. But you want to play, be able to play teams when they're close to rock bottom with mm. their talent pool, and that, that's where the Saints are right now, isn't it? So Fremantle have got a massive opportunity to 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 grab that four points and get rolling and and set the season away. Whereas if you're playing, say. Who's at absolute peak fitness? You've you probably got a, a, a Brisbane. Yeah, Brisbane and Melbourne look like they're flying into the season. So it's a, it's a rough start for Port Adelaide, isn't it? Like if Port, if, if you can have your choice, you say, okay, you finished 18th on the ladder. Who would you like to play round one? Yep. So th- this is the, just the luck of the draw. Um, but you do feel for the, the St Kilda selectors this week that have probably got 29 players to choose from. And, and 10 of those would be first, second year. Mm. I'm very pleased to say, Kingy, that we have a sponsor throughout the year for the means Joking. test. Jamison Irish Whiskey. Oh, now hang on. Who organised this? I like this. Yeah. I knew you have would. Have they sent any little products in? Just well, it's, it's so it, it, every. I wonder if we should finish every means test with a little toast. Jared, <laughs> to get myself in here, I have to have one or two just to... <laughs> <laughs> Win a Jamison Sharon match ball through your local bottle shop today. So Jamison Irish Whiskey bringing you the means test throughout season 2023. The big issue and the pressure index coming up. What we've been very good at is, it, is three phases of the game. We've been pretty good at two. You know, the, the turnover game and, and offensively as well. But what we've probably struggled with a little bit is the, the clearance aspect and the, the ability to stop scoring from those. So, look, over the, the course of the summer, we addressed that, brought in two ready-made players, obviously good stoppage players, good clearance players that allow the game to be played a different way. We don't want to negate the strengths that we've already got, but we feel by adding these two boys, they're going to help us in an area that we traditionally haven't been strong. So if we can get that part of our game up and going, it's going to make my job a hell of a lot easier and the way we play a little bit different as well. Damien Hardwick with us on AFL 360 last night, the additions of Taranto and Hopper and the material impact of that. And our first means test of the season to set you up for round one. David King, you've got a slightly novel twist on this for the debate. Which team will miss those outgoing stars the most? And so I'm looking at, at the Cats and we, we talk about what, what Joel Selwood's going to leave in terms of the leadership void, the, the hole. And I know they've got great replacements, but they're not Joel. And in that grand final, he was huge. In, early in that game, he was huge. I know Patrick Dangerfield was just as big, but this is this is the level of play we're talking about. So how much will the Cats you know, miss Someone like that. The, the, the Pies miss Grundy. 
Well, they get to a point, they, it's easy to say, oh, but he wasn't there for most of last year. And you know, But what happens when they start getting beaten in the ruck and the game's played the other way and all of a sudden the only way they can score is by counterpunch? There is no other option. How much does that hamstring uh, the coach? Taranto and Hopper leave GWS and it's all good when they're going. Oh, we've got all these picks coming in. And what, what if Callahan's just not ready to run that midfield just yet? What if he's just, he's just a year shy? What does that do to their fortunes? I know they've got other replacements and they've got guys like Steve Canelio who can go in and they know Tom Green's going to be a top liner, but are they absolutely there right now? Do you, are these calls, are these calls early? McStay at Brisbane. I mean, that, that, that happens so quickly and so easily for McStay to get out of there. I know Brisbane wanted to keep him and they fought and fought and fought for the first half of the year and I just think they threw their hands in the air and said, he's gone. So Hipwood now and Danaher, can, can they get it done? And I know Gunston goes up there and it's all talking about positive at the moment, but... At what point will they say, you know what, I miss you? The D's, Jackson, they fought, fought and fought. He's gone. And now they, you know, it's a different look. So I just wonder, we always talk about the clubs that they've gone to, but what does it leave behind? What's in the wake of, of those departing stars from, from the clubs that uh, they've left in the off-season? Have you got a, a hunch who might miss... Someone the most. So you had Rankin and the Suns on the list, didn't you, as well? Yeah, yeah because he was such a spark scorer for them. You know, he, he only kicked sort of 25-odd goals, I think. Uh, it was high 20s. But all of them w- were pretty much his own doing. He created the goal. There was no, you know, Joe the Goose over the top. You know, that's a that's a stroll in systematic goal, not like the, you know, over the top, the dusty stroll in the goal square and Richmond on counterpunch. It was like forward stoppage or crumb or a little bit of brilliance. So I, we all know that they're going to miss him. The one for me that, that I think that the Western Bulldogs have always been built around this elite midfield and just volume, and they just keep getting deeper and deeper and deeper. They've lost two midfielders in Hunter and, and Dunkley. Dunkley's their defensive midfielder. He's the one that will go both ways and put pressure on. If, if you lose that and your midfield sort of wobbles a little bit and your tools don't work, what have you got then? So you're going to ask Bontempelli to play more of a, a, a true a true clearance player role, which he hasn't played last year. That hasn't been his go. So you see the magnet then think, that'll be fine, that'll be okay. But it hasn't been that role over the last 12 months. He's not, he's not really um, that clearance beast that we saw three, four, five years ago. So... I'm fascinated to see what what the outgoing does rather than what the incoming does. Yep. We, we have a, we always talk sugar at, at this stage of the year with what's coming in because you just think they're going to be a, a nine out of ten performer. But what does it leave behind? The big issue. You're, you're turning curator on me here, are you? No, I'm not. I'm not turning curator. I'm just. I am concerned about the MCG surface. I mean, a repair job that that started less than two weeks ago. It's a massive race against the clock and. You know, it just can't be cosmetic alone and we'll see all the photos come out today and the photos will look terrific. They will. There'll be green spray paint everywhere. There'll be seams everywhere. And they'll say, no, nah, it, it'll bed in, it'll bed in, it'll bed in. We're 48 hours out. You know, it's not going to get t- too much uh, time to bed in. The seams are what worry me, you know, and I know this has got to be ticked off and it's a, it's a workplace and we've got to be – We've got to make sure that whoever ticks off on the viability and the safety of the surface has got a big job, in my opinion, because it's, it's all, it always gets ticked off. There's never, there's never a doubt in that because it is hard to turn up and argue with a curator 
who's been doing this for 30 years, Jerry. <laughs> we're not going to the MCG on Thursday night, 95,000 of us only to be told, uh, no, we're not happy with the grass, we're not playing. No, so they run the risk, don't they? It's a big risk to take, isn't it? I mean, Richmond and Carlton off the top. I'm, I'm fearing that on Friday morning we'll be talking about a shifting surface and not, not, not shifting uh, like the good old days at, uh, at, at Eddie had way back when or Colonial or whatever it was way back when. Um, but just those seams, they do cause problems. And I know no one wants to talk about this stuff uh, ahead of time, but th- there's only one percentage when you're providing a safe place like, workplace like this, and that's 100%. If, it's, if it ain't 100%, you're running a risk. I, I just think the, the MCG have, have cut this way too fine. I don't think they're alone. <laughs> the big issue could end up being did Ed Sheeran and Harry Styles ruin round one of footy. Yeah, 100%. So there's um, th- there's risks taken everywhere, isn't there? But we, th- we've never seen as much of the MCG ripped up as what we've seen in the last two weeks. Yeah, it'll be interesting. There's... Uh, there's been a calmness about it. And as you said, we're about to see the pictures of it today. And Tim Watson's going to go out on the MCG. He may or may not take our phone call while he's there. <laughs> I've just come from a Super Bowl where the surface was a huge issue. It was a skating rink for um, the most important game of their season. And the, the turf was absolutely unacceptable for for what that game was. And it compromised various aspects of it. it was a major talking point. All right. So that's flagging a potential big issue. Jared, with David can you King. imagine Friday morning? I think you'll come back on Friday morning. I know you're not generally in here on a Friday, but if, if something drastic happened on Friday, I don't want to mention a club. I don't want to mention a player because you don't want to moz anyone. But if you lose one player, it shifts a top liner. It shifts your whole premiership likelihood or your availabilities. So it does worry me. And I think this is a huge risk taken by the MCG that that, um, that that falls back on the first two games, which are the biggest games of the round, Richmond and Carlton and Geelong and Collingwood. Um, I, I just think that uh, it's a risk we didn't need to take. All right. We'll wait to see how that pans out. This is the first means test of 2023 with David King. David King with the first means test of the season. Preliminary final integrity is one of our, one of our key cat categories. It's forecasting how a team plays and whether it will stack up in the, the hottest game in the on the penultimate weekend of the final series. What's in your mind for PFI to signal us into the season? Well, I think it served us so well, Jerry. We might even look at uh, a name change. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's, we've got teams that play fake footy that, that, that gives you a false read on all of your numbers. So if you, if you chip the ball around and, and, and defend with time and possession and uncontested marks – You'll have a you'll have a better looking score against column. The, the opposition might average seventy five points against you, but really, it, does it does it take you anywhere? So, last year St Kilda averaged one hundred and three marks. The Giants ninety nine, West Coast ninety eight, Essendon ninety eight. But but it took them nowhere, and it, it it gave it gave their back six a chance to sort of set up and uh, all those sorts of things and, and play for territory. But when finals come around. It's generally 50-50 time um, in possession, teams that are going to move the ball with aggression, and your back six actually have to stand up. They don't get that same protection. So what you set up for the home and away season, and Richmond did this back in 2016, and they said, we've got to go away from that. And they radically changed the way they played because they were playing fake footy. And Damien Harbick had the courage to say, we're just going to take some risks now. We're going to go. So this season, I'm, I'm fascinated to see... Which teams persist with that fake footy model 
that ultimately will take them nowhere. And, and we labelled we labelled Fremantle halfway through last year playing that. Um, and everyone says, oh, but they've got the best defensive numbers in the comp. Look at their points against. It's not the number of your points against. It's how you achieve that. So Geelong have, have probably had the best defensive number um, or they would have been amongst the top two or three for the whole year. But they did it taking risks and saying to the back six, hey, if we turn it over, just fight the fight. We'll trust you. We'll back you in. You'll see Melbourne do more of that this year. Melbourne's off-season has been about um, go, take territory, take risks, use corridor, let's excite, let's, let's explode. Um, so oh, I think Richmond and Geelong over the last three or four years have shown that if you're not prepared to do that, and you're going to leak some goals at times, because that's footy. But if you're not prepared to give that trust over to the players and your system, then then you can't win the flag. You can't win a preliminary final. You can't win big finals. You might win an elimination final, but ultimately it's taking you nowhere. So I, that's that's a big watch for me. Um, and only a fool really would initiate that brand and not trust the players or trust the system. So let, let's wait and see who that is. We don't have the answer today, but let's wait and see who that is. That'll be preliminary final integrity PFI that we run throughout our means test this season. So the pressure index, which sits at Alberton, and uh, it's a big day for the concussion debate. The AFL's released its strategic plan on what it wants to do around concussion. Andrew Dillon's going to join me at 11 o'clock to to tell you about it and to answer some of the, the key questions that are contained therein. So... We'll drift towards that in our means test to set up round one of 2023. This is Waitley for Host Plus and Hyundai Tucson. Tomorrow's SUV in stock now. We discussed it with Ken and we don't want any distractions whatsoever during the year. We don't want every discussion and every radio interview or every press conference to, to be about Ken's contract. So we've just taken it completely off the table and until August and it allows uh, the team uh, both the coaching staff and the playing staff to concentrate on getting the wins and doing what they do best and that's that's playing good footy good clubs give their uh, football department the very best chance of winning without any distractions and that's what we do. We're all really on, really connected and on the same page internally and as I said a little bit earlier, we can't get drawn into hypotheticals and think too far ahead in terms of what's going to happen in, you know, June, July, August even. We just have to stay really in the present and focus on what we're doing now and that's absolutely what we're doing. You can't be half in in this game, you need to be all in and that's absolutely what, what we are. Matthew Richardson, the Chief Executive of Port Adelaide, David Kosh, the Chairman, with uh, with Dwayne yesterday is how Port Adelaide intends to manage the last year of the Ken Hinckley contract and whether Ken, who's committed himself to winning the next contract, can do so or whether the pressure that builds around these things consumes the club and the coach. The most recent examples we've had of long-term coaches in the last year of a contract Leon Cameron at the Giants and Nathan Buckley at Collingwood, and really they were both over by halfway. Don't set up the long goodbye would be my approach. We're going to be finger on the pulse with this, and if a decision needs to be made, at that stage we'll make it. But we we hope to not have that discussion until at least August. I'm always fascinated by the language of, of businessmen 
who think that football clubs can just be run like other businesses. There are unique, there are unique setups, uh, football clubs, and you're dealing ultimately with people, your people that have been there a long period of time, such as Ken. I hope that Ken survives. I hope they have a great year because they can play some breathtaking footy. But we all know if they are one and four after five weeks, then sometimes you've got to say, we're not getting to that prelim. We're not getting to that grand final and make a call. Now, it's a horrible call to make early. I, I get that. But this is where they've put themselves. I always think you've, you've, got, to, you've got to have a payout involved when you sack a coach because you've got to give them the ultimate faith in terms of a contract until, until you pull the pin. It's, it's too neat a model to say, yep, no, he's just run his contract out and we're terminating and we're going. We're moving on. It very rarely happens like that. So it's going to be a watch for us all. But as soon as they don't think he can make a prelim at minute, that is such a high bar, isn't it? It's a reality, but it's a high bar. And when you've got Brisbane in Adelaide week one, Collingwood at the G week two, the showdown week three, off to Sydney for the Sydney Swans week four, and the Western Bulldogs, the tall dogs, coming over for round five, gather round. My God, we might need to gather around Ken that week because that, that is an awful start to the year. Um, but just just don't set up the long goodbye. It, it, it serves no purpose. Win early, win often is sort of the only real way to navigate it because everyone will tell you in hindsight that it is a living, breathing thing, that pressure around the coach. Mm. So you just have to be out in front. You have to be winning. There's, there's absolutely no strategy other than winning because Ken needs the opportunity to do the job this yeah. year to win the job. But if things conflate where you never actually get that opportunity, and that's that, that's what we lived through with Leon Cameron last year, that it wasn't set up for him to achieve. They actually weren't set up to be successful in the last year of his contract. That was a really curious scenario. But the only way to navigate it is to be out in front of it winning. So that, that would be my question back to Koshi. Okay, August, 1st of August, where does he need to be? Like, like okay, you're going to start that conversation and, and it may result in, in a, a pat in the back. It may be a termination. What, what, are the, what are the pros and cons? Where does he need to actually be sitting on the AFL table? I mean, if you're starting that conversation, he hasn't said, let's wait to the end of the set. Let's wait till it's all run and done. I, I hope for Ken that they get the chocolates in a couple of early games and, and this, this pressure is just at least, at least delayed to the, to the buy. But it's a hard space to live in, isn't it? In a two-team town. Oh, I think Adam Simpson will be under the same pressure. If he can't show that he's the rebuild coach, and it, it's difficult because you've got a premiership coach, someone that's you know a major part of your history. Um, players love him. They've, they've, been, they've been incredibly successful until they haven't been the last 18 months. Um, I, I think he'll be under similar pressure if things uh, go against him early in the season and those stars of yesteryear or, or the last four to five years are not the same player anymore. Um, there's a, there's a there's a, a a lack of talent there on that list, particularly at the younger end, and and we all keep talking about Sam Mitchell and where to go. I mean, the, I think he's just got to show that not that there's light, is that the the how long is the tunnel? Like, have they set up? Have they set up for light at the end of the tunnel? Be five years away? Yep. I mean, that's a big gamble, isn't it? Not many not many coaches get signed to that sort of uh, tenure without any real evidence. Of success, um, so they're the they're the three for me that are under the hammer right now. Question time! You're going to introduce question time, eh? 
<laughs> Question time, Jerry. The finger on the pulse. I, want, I don't mind this one. Finger okay. on the pulse. I'm going to throw this at you week on week because you try and you try and avoid my questions I do. most of the hour. Um, th- so the three wise men we've got Clarkson, Lyon, and Scott, Brad Scott, have come back into the the coaching ranks, and we're all talking about how quickly can they rebound, and you know how will their, their the worm graph of those three track over the you know twenty twenty three and the next two to three years. My question to you is not really about the short term. Of those three wise men, who wins the race to make their team? to get their team into the top four. Oh, right. So Who that's gets... what it's all about, isn't it? Okay, yep, yep. To, to give them the best opportunity to win a flag, you've got to be top four. When can you see that happening or can you see that happening for Clarkson, Lyon and Scott? Yeah, yeah. Well, if I was to roll a subsidiary question back first. Oh, I see. You're too good. Who of, the, who <laughs> of those three will be the longest serving coach oh. in their job? Longest serving. Six years, eight years, 10 years, 12 years. Well, I think the longest serving in their job. I think they would all get six because something's gone horribly wrong if they haven't got four or five. And you'd think things would be tracking well for all of them, you know, given their, their knowledge yep. and an even, and an even run at the draft. So that's a tough question to answer. Yeah, Who yeah, gets so- longer than that? My gut feeling, I think I would go with Brad Scott as the first to get his team to the top four on the basis that I still feel like they have the critical mass of early draft picks already who haven't been integrated into the right system. So, mate, top four is such a high measure, isn't it? I think they're more, they'll be the quickest to be a credible contending team of those three, I think, because that, that grunt work in the draft has been done. There are elements of their game that we like. And then there's been this glaring hole in their game across a number of years, which clearly is Brad's fixation. And so it should be the defensive integrity. If you're looking at the racing form guide, Brad has never had a team finish top four at the end of the home and away. Yeah. He's made prelims, but not finished top four. Yeah. So Jason Richardson would put a line through that form and go and track back to the other two. Yeah. Because... Whilst the talent may not be there, there's evidence that they get the absolute most out of that talent, particularly Ross. And Clarko probably started with a suite of players that was a bit stronger than, than the average. Yep. Um, and I, th- I see that at the Kangaroos. I see a lot of players, 21 and under, that you know, if, if it is to be a six, seven-year journey, they'll still be there. So that's a, that's a big starting point, isn't it? Yep. That you can guarantee that if those players are you know, around the mark and being AFL average for their position, they'll still be there. So the volume of, of talent, I think, will be a bit deeper. Mm. Well, potentially. maybe float that out to you. A few minds. Finger on the pulse. Clarkson, Lyon, or Scott, who gets their team to the top four or first. None. Or, 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 or none of the above. <laughs> none of the above. What's it, Brewster's millions? None of the above. <laughs> 40 Winks, Temper Text, 0433981116. Temper, a mattress like no other. We have seedings to come. This is the means test for Jamison. Win a limited edition Jamison Sharon Matchball. Head to your local bottle shop to enter. Join and play SEN's AFL Survivor and you could win a car. Just pick one winner from each round. I like the way it says just of the AFL season. Register at iCanWin.com.au. Who is the certainty this round, David King? Uh, Through circumstance, I think Fremantle will get St Kilda at Marvel in the last game of the round. Yours? 
Oh, no, I haven't got that far yet. <laughs> seedings? Seedings, four up. Are you going to take it seriously this year? Well, you be the judge. I've got King's Gambit at four. <laughs> it's a big week for King's Gambit. Big week for the Golden Slipper. Slipper. He's the four seed. Four? I've, I've got Collingwood at four. I've got. I, I maintain the faith. Yep. I'm going to put Carlton at three on the way to Thursday night. Richmond, but they're a risk. I can see it's either get a boom or bust at the Tigers. Two, I'll go Geelong. Brisbane for me. This has to be the year they make the grand final. It has to be the year. It has to be one of either the next two years where they win it. I have a feeling we're unified with the one seed coming into the fresh year. Melbourne. Melbourne. Can't help but love them, Jared. So second year running, it sort of revolves around them. You have to start taking these seedings seriously. Come on, Kings Gambit. Imagine next Monday if we can open the means test with a golden slipper winner. <laughs> <Might retire. laughs> That's the means test, the first for 2023.